We hear questions like these all the time. Can TSR Injury Law help me if I'm hurt by a defective product? Yes. How about by a dog bite? Yeah. If you've been injured, it's TSR time. Call us today for a free consultation at 612-TSR-TIME. It's the Go Gopher Podcast with Mike Grimm, episode number 13. I am Mike Grimm, voice of the Golden Gophers, and welcome back to the podcast. What else would we be talking about this week other than Golden Gopher hockey? Off to the Frozen Four in Boston next week to take on Minnesota State Mankato in the national semifinals Thursday, April 7th. The Gophers notched big wins this past weekend to clinch the program's first Frozen Four berth since 2014, and the first under head coach Bob Motzko, who will along with the win over Western Michigan on Sunday, celebrated his birthday and the four-year anniversary of him getting the Minnesota job. I'm so excited for the two guests I have coming up for you here on the Go Gopher podcast. Gopher hockey fans are going to love this. In fact, Gopher sports fans in general will enjoy it, I promise. The voices of Golden Gopher hockey, Wally Shaver and Frank Mazaka will join me here in a moment. They'll tell us about the march to the Frozen Four. We'll break down that great game-winning goal call in Friday's win over defending champ UMass. We'll get some insight on this Golden Gopher hockey team and hear about their friendship, which is going strong after more than a quarter century. Our Go Gopher podcast is presented by alumni-owned Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. If you're a business founder planning to exit your business, start by contacting Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. Sunbelt serves more businesses up to $5 million in revenue than anyone. And True North M&A serves companies with revenues up to $150 million. Get a confidential, no-cost, no-obligation business valuation started today. Make the most of your life's work. Visit sunbeltminnesota.com or tnma.com today. Our podcast is also sponsored by State Farm Agent Tony Hoagland at champlininsurance.com. As always, our thanks to Tony Hoagland, who loves Golden Gopher hockey. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast. You can go back and listen to previous Go Gopher podcast. Last week, for example, we talked March Madness with Gopher Athletic Director Mark Coyle and Gopher Deputy Athletic Director Julie Manning. We got some great inside scoop on the Women's Basketball Final Four in Minneapolis and the Men's Basketball Tournament in general. But first, when we come back, I know you're going to enjoy my conversation with two of the best, Wally Shaver and Frank Mazzacco. But first, a word from Tony. Hey, Gopher fans, this is your State Farm agent, Tony Hoagland. We are super excited to be part of the new Mike Grimm Show on Talk North. For the year of 2022, we will be donating $10 to the University of Minnesota Children's Masonics Hospital for everyone that calls our office or checks in with us online and mentions that they heard about us on Talk North and the Mike Grimm Show. We are really excited again that Mike came on board with Talk North. You can reach us at 763-421-4900. You can find us on the web at champlininsurance.com. Again, 763-421-4900 or find us on the web at champlininsurance.com. Roll the boat, Sky Uma, go Gophers. It's the Go Gopher podcast, lucky number 13, episode 13. We're going to talk some golden gopher hockey, and I am really excited about our two guests. Uh, to me, the best radio crew in the town, Wally Shaver, Frank Mazzacco, <laughs> the voices of gopher hockey, and uh, man, what a great weekend you guys had. Wally, we'll start with you. How much fun did you have out in Massachusetts? 
Well, I had an absolute blast. I mean, every time you can uh, play two good games like this team did and you you win it and you you get that plane ride coming home and just a celebration and the, the chatter that was going on in that flight all the way back for two and a half hours from Wooster was just fantastic. And you, everybody just had a big smile on their face, a little bit of giddiness going on. And uh, even though I think a lot of us were pretty darn tired, uh, you just had that really good feeling knowing what was coming up next, and that's a trip for a national championship. Yeah, amazing, no doubt. And I heard uh, you and Bob Motzko on the Coaches Show this week talk about, you asked him about the plane ride and how much fun you had, and he's like, I, I didn't notice it was that much fun. I was too tired. That was pretty good, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was sitting up in first class. Yeah, so right, he, right. He had a little different vantage point than we did. <laughs> well, We're fr- back with the boys, enjoying it all. Yeah, well, that's the place to be. Back of the plane is always more fun than the front of the plane, uh, and, uh, at least in, in my travels, that's for sure. Uh, Frank, how about you? That had to be a blast to uh, to, to uh, go through that and, and know now you're you're headed back uh, as, a, as a broadcaster for the Frozen Four. Yeah, you're right, Mike. And I agree with Wally. And, and, and not that the second game was any uh, lesser of a game, but that first game was such a battle. It was such a great college hockey game and had intensity and drama and, you know, a great script was involved there. And, you know, my my whole benchmark on the weekend is that I just don't remember the last time. And I'm sure it's happened, but I don't remember the last time where a day after and two days after we were still reliving various plays and incidents and scenes and how it worked out and how it didn't work out. I mean, it was just it was just a very memorable moment that we you just wanted to carry with you for a long time. And you're right. That first game, that Friday game against UMass, a defending national champs. They, uh, you know, there's a penalty, there's a delayed penalty, and in the span of what about 55 seconds, I think it was. It's two zip first period, and I'm thinking, oh man, is it going to end like this this quickly? Because you know, we all think this is a team that that you know had a chance to get to the Frozen Four, and and Wally, these guys responded. They stuck with it. They didn't panic, um, and and you know, chipped away, and then gave up an early one in the second, but uh, just kept coming at them. Well, and I think that was the key because I think if you looked at all the scores of all the regional games that were played, this was the only time anybody came from behind and the Gophers were down by two goals twice. But I just thought the uh, one of the key goals after we were down 3-1 was getting that second goal late in the second period. And it kind of it gave you a feeling, okay, yeah, now we're within one. You're still trailing, but at least there's a chance now to get back into it because you only need one to tie. And it did come later in the third, too, when Matthew Nye scored, but um, we were able to do it, and and that was the encouraging sign. And anytime you can do that, especially against the national champs, uh, that, that was a really good omen, I thought. Yeah, and and then they went in and against Western Michigan, which we'll talk about in a second, because that was that was a thorough clinic. I thought, uh, you know, I'm not a great hockey mind, but watching how they handled Western Michigan, that was incredible, which we'll get into. But but Frank, what were your thoughts as you heard Wally Shaver call that second power play goal with UMass in that first period, and uh, what was going through your mind at that point? You, you know, you get a pit in your stomach right away, um, but with this team, it it went away in a hurry. You know, Mike, this team has got confidence. I mean, all, most a lot of Gopher teams did uh, and do have confidence, but these guys have got the skill to go with it. And you, this team, you just you legitimately feel they are never out of it. Um, and they can they we've seen them will goals. Uh, I'll mention Ben Myers. We'll probably talk about him <laughs> several times today. 
Um, but they they just they've got the horses that can overcome an emotional letdown. I was thinking back to that Penn State game out there where was that three nothing or or something? I forget exactly now. And uh, the Gophers rallied to win that. And then also the Michigan Big Ten game where the Gophers were up and then that weird goal off a of Kester stick and it was two to one. And I didn't think Minnesota responded great after that. They kind of lost some vigor. And I'm wondering if both of those games may have served as some learning lessons uh, for this group. For uh, you know, once you're down two nothing in the first, I don't know. Maybe I'm reaching for things or parallel. But, Wally, what do you think? Maybe this team can soak those kind of things in and understand they're not out of it? Yeah, I, I think they do have that ability because, you know, over the course of the year, we've talked with Bob a lot about that and coming from behind and just, you know, what it takes. And I've always liked his interpretation. He says, you know, when we're as coaches down on the bench and we get behind, nobody gets really nervous. Nobody gets upset. Uh, everybody just has that okay, let's just stick to the battle plan attitude and, and just keep plugging away and, and eventually good things will happen. And I think that's what's been the characteristic with this team. And, you know, even though we split a lot in the first half of the year, a lot of those losses, not all of them, but most of them were just by a goal. So this team was close. Yeah. And I think after we got back from the, uh, the, the winter break there, you know, it gave guys a chance to just sit back, relax a little bit, think about their game. And they just came in, I wouldn't say necessarily better prepared, but probably just a little more confident in what they were going to be capable of doing in the second half. And then we had all the other complications that enter into it with Jack LaFontaine leaving. We had five different guys down with injuries this year, uh, two of them twice. Um, we had guys miss games because of COVID protocols. So I think what that did was just strengthen this lineup all the way through uh, we've even got fifth-line players that played a lot of games this year for the Gophers. So I think that depth is where it really pays off at the end. So you're right, and they chip away. They tie it 3-3. It goes to overtime, and, and let's listen to you two guys here for, for about 15 seconds. <laughs> Pinching down now is Myers. He gets it in front. He scores! He scores! Ben Myers scores! The Gophers win on dogged determination by Aaron Huglin to send him off. Great call. I love it. I love that, uh, Wally, you you uh, pointed out Hugelin because I thought the same thing, you know, that, that you know he was the key behind the net. And then I love that Frank got really excited there as the puck entered the net as well. How about that? Huh? How, how much fun was that, Frank, to, uh, uh, you know, to, to have that uh, situation unfold in front of your eyes? How much fun was it to step all over Wally? Is that what you're asking? <laughs> uh, I don't think that part was fun, but boy, I just couldn't contain myself. And, and you know, where we were located, uh, Wally, I don't know if you happen to notice, but I think there were uh, uh, like strength uh, coach Cal uh, Dietz was behind us and um, a, a few of the other, the brain trusts and guys in suits could uh, because we're all in the upper deck in the stands. Well, they were they were yelling as loud as all of us, and I was surprised <laughs> that they didn't come over our microphones. But um, it, it was it was, and that's that's the goal that we just I, at least I just kept reliving and reliving and reliving, yeah. and couldn't wait to see the replay of it, and then realized how much time actually Hugelin spent with that puck down below the goal line. I mean, he he is he, he's. Um, w- He's a heck of a story in this team. And I, I said on the air, and I will repeat it now for those who may not have heard it. I, I, my, the disappointment, a disappointment for me was the fact that the national TV audience 
they they center on the marquee players, right? They set up the two or three or four names and they stick with them. They ride those guys to the end, figuring they're the rating straw. And there, I have a feeling there were a lot of people that weren't informed of what a heck of a story Aaron Hudlin was, not only that night, but but this year for the team. Yeah, and and I mean that that would you know I'd lead into a few different things there too, in a sense that probably a lot of it is these you know these national guys where you guys are embedded with the team, so you know all the stories, which is why you know we always encourage listening to the local broadcast, right? No no new, question. New TV, yeah. New TV. Um, but uh, on top of it, you know a lot of these guys you know will helicopter in, so they they don't probably have time to know all the stories. And two, it seems to me they're all based on the East. Coast. I was surprised in the buildup and watching the uh, pregame shows. They barely talked about the Gophers. This was a UMass deal, and UMass was going to do this, and they're the defending champs. And at one point, one of the dudes on ESPN was was uh, saying, you know, it, you know, the Gophers are really going to have to, you know, man, if they, it, you know, they're, you know, they'll to have a chance. This is what they're going to have to do. Well, for a minute, it's two nothing. I'm like, ooh, maybe those East Coast dudes are right. But um, it, it was it was nice to to see. Obviously, the Gophers come back. Um, and I, you know, that play, Wally, in terms of what Hughlin did, I, I, I'm again not a great hockey mind, but my impression is. That in a normal game, eight and not ju- not Huglin, but just eight out of ten players are just going to let the other team take that puck and psych, you know, come out and and retreat to defense. And obviously, in overtime of a playoff game, maybe more people will go for that. Ben, the way he fought for that, he was not he was not going to let the Minutemen get that puck. It was just that simple. Oh, and and, and there was another very important component on that whole play too, because while Huglin was down there <coughs> battling on the boards. There was a line change going on, and Jackson Nelson had actually made the great play back in his own end to move it up ice, and instead of joining the play, he was kind of at the end of his shift. He just went off the ice for a change. Myers comes on, and he's totally fresh. So he goes down the wall with Huglin, finds an open spot. Huglin hits him with a pass after all that work he did along the boards to keep the play going, fed Myers, and he just had a spectacular shot, but... A lot of credit goes to Jackson Nelson in his unselfish play to come off on a line change instead of joining that that opportunity down low. See, yep. Mike, here we go reliving this goal again, yeah, right? right. But well, let, <laughs> let me let me throw this at you too. Well, it, it maybe in a uh, a different situation or a similar situation, Myers might have gone down into the corner to help Huglin. Uh, so that the puck wasn't, uh, they weren't outmanned down there, right? So now you might have had two guys go in the corner, but Myers had the presence of mind to know that Huglin was going to be able to win that one-on-one or one-on-two battle, and he heads for the net. So, I mean, that's part of that experience thing and that that skill thing that these guys know. And uh, I think we have time. So, Wally, I'm not sure if you were on just a few moments ago, when the NCAA coaches were on and and Bob Motzko was asked about the switch that might've been turned for this team from first half to second. And he said, no, not a switch. It's just that different things came together at different times. Chaz Lucius came out of the gate, ready to play on that line with Myers and Nyes. Well, Chaz is down with an injury. Huglin's development also as a freshman, just took a little bit longer, was a little more methodical. And because of prior injuries and all, he became ready, really ready mid-season. Maybe in a normal time, Myers might have gone down in the corner 
and and help Hugelin to to put more numbers on the puck. But Myers, knowing what Hugelin can do and the fact that we're in overtime, instead he heads to the net and gets himself in a spot to score. Also knowing that there's a line change going on and they don't really know where Nyes is at this point because he, he's still coming on the ice. So I, I think Myers having that confidence, uh, uh, again, knowing what Hugelin could do, was was a great uh, ability in him freeing up to go to the front of the net. Yeah, and I think that's a great point because anytime you get in overtime, Myers did the right thing because you want a shot on goal. You, you don't know how they're going to go in, but you got to get a shot on the net somehow, and, and that's the only way you're going to score goals. So he did the right thing. Thank God for that. <laughs> we got another paycheck out of it. <laughs> yes, the uh, more games, the more money. That's always good. Uh, and, and Frank, I liked at the end of that highlight uh, that we heard here a minute ago, you said, yes, that was a, that was a pretty good exclamation point. Okay, all good credit. That was Wally's. Or did I say I had, Frank? I'm sorry. It was Wally. Yeah, I met Wally. Yeah, yes, I, yes. I blurted over him enough. I wasn't going <laughs> to shout over him twice. <laughs> well, you, you know what it's like, Mike. I mean, we're we're fans, too of the game and the team specifically. And uh, we were just elated to see that go in because you, you want to win at this time of year. And, and uh, that's quite often when the fan comes out as a broadcaster. Well, and obviously, you know, as we all know, and, and, you know, whether it's me with football or hoops and you guys with hockey or, you know, Justin Gard with women's basketball or who whatever, your, your audience, uh, you know, is going to be 90 plus percent, you know, exactly cheering along with you right I mean the, the, you know there's I, I think the, the, the you know there's there's times where hey if the team's not playing well you say that obviously and those kind of things but in moments like that I mean there's you gotta let the fan come out right I mean that's yeah. just the beauty of it you know and that's a special moment right there it sure is yeah hey, um, listen the, the title of the program is Golden Gopher Hockey on the Gopher Radio Network. Yes. So, I mean, you get the idea of where we're coming from here? No doubt. No doubt. Well, and and so for uh, you, Wally, this is uh, – is this the sixth Frozen Four for you with the Gophers? Uh, well, doing the radio broadcast, so we had the back-to-back 0203. That was my first two years calling it. And then uh, – geez, Frank, when else? We went, we went in 14, so it's 12, been eight years since we've gone to the Frozen Four. 12 and 14. Yeah. 12 and 14. So, yeah, this would be the fifth one then. Fifth, gotcha. And um, so, and it's been, what, eight years since since the, the you know, the great 2014 with the, you know, and that we could have a whole podcast on on how that semifinal game finished, right? That was uh, that was an amazing, if I'm right, that's the North Dakota, it was a point four or point six or whatever with the Justin Hall goal. But um, we, we, maybe in the summer when we're out of the season, we can we can do a whole podcast on, on you know, a flashback to that game. But, uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's... It's, it's eight years in this gopher program. You know, there's high expectations. So uh, just from that standpoint, there had to be some elation, too, that, uh, you know, you're, you're back, uh, you know, and I don't want to sound too, you know, back kind of where the rightful place where the gophers should be going on a more consistent basis. Yeah, and I, I think it would have been fair to say that coming into this season, Minnesota was the fourth best team in the state. Mm-hmm. And, and I think now we've elevated that to the point where, okay, Let's get back to where we were when we were a dominant team in the early 2000s and uh, regularly uh, getting to big-time games and winning playoff championships either in the league or at the Frozen Four. And um, that's where this program's supposed to be. That's where people want it. And and, uh, I think that was a big uh, influence from uh, Athletic Director Mark Coyle, too, was to, to get this staff. You know, maybe it needed, it was time to make a turnover. It did, and I, I think it's starting to pay off right now. And 
from what we see on the ice, there's a lot of talent here that's going to continue to keep this a top tier program. Well, you talked about the you know the the way that the uh, Gophers you know are kind of elevating. And Frank, I'll ask you: the talent clearly is there. 14 NHL draft picks that that you know that that was talked about a lot uh, over the weekend. But Bob Mochko, it seems to me, has not only made it a point with his team, but also in just talking with us in terms of the media that uh, this team to take that step had to become uh, not just talented but also tough. And and gritty and grimy, I think, is even the term he used. And, um, man, you're watching, you know, a, a high-end guy like Matthew Nyes, who whenever he wants to decide to make a million dollars, he's going to go play for the, is it the Maple Leafs, I think, or whoever's drafted him. Um, but he's he's blocking shots, so committed, uh, you know, and Brock Favor, same way. Like, literally, this morning, if he decided he wanted to play in the NHL, whatever team He'd play tonight, right? I mean, he's that good right now. He'd be on the NHL. He's blocking mm-hmm. shots and committed. So there is that, Frank, that that uh, greasiness or whatever you want to call it that this team, in addition to the skill, and that makes it a really good team now. Well, for sure, because now you're talking about the mental attitude that goes in with the, the physical attributes in it. And, uh, you know, you know I, the, the counterpoint to that is back when I was working with Wooger on TV, I, I don't think, uh, no, he he would not have said this on the air, but I know at one point I said to him, well, what about so-and-so? He just doesn't seem to be, you know, as sharp as he was earlier. And Doug said, you know what, Frank, he's playing like he's been talking to his agent. <laughs> right. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, and you can sometimes sense that the guys just kind of want to ease out of their, their college days without getting any further uh, hits or bumps or hurts. Um, but you you don't see that in Faber. You're right. Like you you don't see that in Nice. Everybody you don't see that in Myers, and um, everybody is buying into that. And Coach Motzko talked us a, a little bit more. We I've got some audio waiting to use. We just haven't had the right opportunity to use it. Talking about Ben Myers, he said, "Look, everybody is wondering who's in his ear." How many of the 32 NHL teams are going to be, you know, have been knocking on his door? And he says, I will tell you this. Ben Myers is all committed, all gophers. And I and Bob used a few more words in there that laid, let me think that somewhere t- towards the middle of the year, he or his family representative said to them, uh, the door is closed. Do not knock on this door and don't talk to us until we're done here. And I, that's Bob said, don't worry about him. He is here through the end before he even thinks about the next step. Yeah, and that, it's been fun to watch how how these guys have kind of taken on that toughness because you know it's one thing usually a team's highly skilled, uh, right, or and and maybe not as tough or really tough, but maybe not as skilled. But you get this kind of mix that blends right now, and um, you know, and that that that's uh, you know, and then there's there's old guys, there's young guys, and and you know, it's kind of it's kind of been fun to watch you know this progression. As as Bob said, I know a couple of times, you know, early on you're splitting series. I think Wally, you mentioned it. You're splitting series five straight weekends, and everyone's like, "What's wrong with Minnesota?" And some of those games were close, and you played well in them. And I think Bob. A few times I said, look, I thought we were playing pretty good. You're not going to win them all, you know, and now they're starting to win them all. And let's hope they they've got a couple more wins. Um, let's move on to the Western Michigan game. And we got so much to talk about here. Um, but again, I, I keep prefacing all I say. Uh, I've really enjoyed this team, um, but, uh, you know, I'm not a great hockey mind. But I thought that was, uh, you know, just a, as, a, as a casual observer of hockey and kind of now invested in in watching this team. I thought that the, the, the defenseman 
in that game just totally controlled the, the the rink. I mean, it was amazing to me that like Western Michigan came in averaging almost four goals a game, and now they had a couple of opportunities. But man, the Gophers just—I thought that was as dominant of effort as you could ever expect in a regional mm-hmm. final. Wally, what'd you think? Well, it it, it was, and there was uh, I think a couple of factors that uh, definitely factored into it. Number one. They had the nation's leading goal scorer on that squad, Ethan Frank. He didn't even get a shot on it's amazing, goal. Amazing, right? Game. I mean, man. yeah. And there was another stretch, and Frank, I'm not sure if it was the second or the third period, but they went 12 minutes without a shot on goal. So not only was it the Gophers' defense doing their job, but like Bob always says, you know, when you want to play in front of the puck, the guys were coming back defensively as forwards, and uh, they were there to defend. So there was no odd man rushes going against this team. And for the most part, Western Michigan, they'd come into the zone. It was one and done and right back the other way. And when you've got that skill level and that talent on our blue line, like we do, uh, the outlet passes were just pinpoint and they were able to transition right back up ice in a hurry. Yeah. And they, and then controlled the puck at some key points of the third period on offense where, you know, as you mentioned, Western Michigan couldn't get any, he couldn't even get anything going. And then, you know, I thought that the uh, Western Michigan goalie was good enough. This game could have been six, nothing. I thought that's how much, you know, maybe Minnesota control. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Frank, what do you think? I, I just, I was impressed. Uh, I just never got a sense, you know, you never know in hockey, but I never got a sense that, that, uh, you know, the Gophers were in huge danger in that one. No, and it it, it came, uh, it, it spun on that 2 nothing lead, that that early goal, which uh, I think was a power play goal, wasn't it, Wally, that gave them that 2 nothing lead? And, I mean, it, yeah. that, that, that just set the tone that said, we're, we're, we're in control of this one. You know, we're the ones who are dictating what's going to happen and and how it's going to happen. And, uh, uh, and, and basically, you could, you could see the difficulty of, of in Western Michigan's demeanor in that when they were down by two goals, and especially as they hit the third period, you could just see the frustration was setting in. And then they weren't getting the puck. You know, I, I remember one time earlier in the year, I asked Bob Motzko, I said, your, your shots against per game are dropping. What's leading to the better defensive play? He said, We've got the puck, you know. <laughs> right. It's amazing <laughs> you know? when that happens, right? Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. And, uh, you know, we're controlling the puck in the offensive zone. Then I would say, well, I think you'll agree, too, then towards the end of that third period, I mean, especially after um, I think the Gophers made it 3 nothing. Well, then they they were just quite content. No, no, that would have been, it would have been the 2 nothing goal. They mm-hmm. were quite content to just chip the puck out of the zone far enough to make Western Michigan go, you know, 120 feet or 150 feet. And and that is a really frustrating situation to be in if you're trailing in hockey. Yeah, we hear so much about how good some teams are defensively. You know, we hear that about Minnesota State. We hear that about Notre Dame. But the Gophers can play that game too. And when you had that 12-minute stretch in the third period there where they didn't even get a sniff around the net, that shows you the Gophers have that capability as well as anybody. Sometimes too, there's some for no one can explain it. There's just games where one team just is a step quicker. Now I know Minnesota's fast, but look, that Western Michigan team's got a bunch of talent too. There's no explanation except on this given day, the Gophers seemed to me they were just a step ahead of everything the Broncos tried to do. Western Michigan was a fast team. Yeah. They, they did bring some speed and um and you're right uh, it's it's that it, the other part of it is the the ability 
uh, at least four of Minnesota's defensemen to deliver the puck up the ice. Mm -hmm. And I think that's some one of the problems that we had a little bit earlier this year, Wally. I don't know if you'll agree that that it it just took a while for a, a pretty substantial core of freshmen uh, as forwards to get in sync yes. with the defense and the defense to get in sync with the forwards. And now that they're all on the same page, those outlet passes are are far more efficient for them. Well, and the other thing is, is when you you look at the beginning of the year, we brought in five freshman forwards. Yep. And they had to play because of what graduated. So, number one, you're losing experience. You know, Sample Ranta turned pro, went right to Colorado. Uh, Scott Reedy was a great goal scorer. He was gone. So you're bringing in five guys that, uh, you know, they've never tasted college hockey before, and they had to play. And uh, thank God they did good. And, and by the second half, even though we were losing some of those games by a goal or two in the first half, by the second half, they had some experience under their belts. They knew what the college game was all about. And they were also really good skill guys as well. And, you know, in a case like Matthew and I, he's just a big kid who was a late bloomer in life. But all of a sudden, you know, a lot of teams missed out on this kid. And now you look what he's doing, and he's going to be a really good NHL power forward going forward. Uh, but, you know, now those freshmen, they're yeah. good players. They understand the game, and, and they fit the system. And that's what we are reaping the benefits of right now. What, uh, Frank, do you think to Jackson Lacombe, you know, who had a great year last year? Then, for whatever reason, early in the year, he just was off his game a little bit. Um, I, I think that's been a big factor. I don't know about what time he got, you know, back to the game, but uh, that that guy's another guy that if some NHL team this morning wanted to sign him, he'd play tonight. I mean, he wouldn't be out of place. Uh, I just like how his, how his game is. He just controls, like, like he never panics. He's, you know, he gets the puck. He knows which way to go when there's pressure and uses leverage and everything else. But, man, that I think that, you know, from those splits early, you know, it seemed like in those early splits the defensemen, and it wasn't only Lacombe, uh, had one or two catastrophic mistakes and ended up in the net against a really good goaltender. And now that, you know, knock on wood, hopefully two more games, that, that continues to be the case. But I think Lacombe, the way he plays, has just been a factor too. I don't know. Uh, you know, again, I'm not a great hockey mind, but I love watching the way he defends. Oh, he's, he's got, I love to watch the way he skates with the puck head up, always attentive to where his options are. Uh, his skating is great. I, you know, I'll go as far as saying that he's underrated, right? Uh, right. Again, yeah. you know, there's what he's a second round pick, isn't he? Wally? I think he, yeah. he's very high. So you say, well, Frank, how can you call a guy like that? Second, uh, a second round pick un underrated. Well, He's under certainly underappreciated this year. And part of it might have been that sluggish start that he had in the first. I have no idea, Mike, what was going on. I mean, I think that's going to be a postseason question to say, Comer. Yeah. Are, what was going on there? I mean, you know, did you have a you know, did you have a bunion? Did you have, you know, where you're <laughs> blistering you know, some something, right? Yeah. <laughs> something was going on there. I mean, uh, you know, or were was schoolwork not going well for you? What was going on? But anyway, yeah. So he just found uh, uh, like a lot of other players after the, after the break, he just found himself. But again, the, the, you know, the marquee are going to be the guys that have gone to the Olympics. Uh, you know, Faber is going to be in there. And, and then all of a sudden Comer is going to be there. And you, I'll tell you what, I, I am really hopeful for his NHL career. I mean, I just think he's going to, he's going to take that league by storm.
Yeah, it's been it's been fun to watch all those guys, and you know that's our the danger in a podcast where you're uh, you know you don't want to go five hours, but we can mention them all. You know Johnson and Kester and Brinkman. All these guys have been good uh, on that back end, and then you know we talk about Nyes already. We've talked about Myers. One of my favorite guys because he's just energy all the time is Blake McLaughlin. He got the empty netter. You know just calmly. Uh, you know he just he just always seems to pressure everything. He's all over the ice. He he's a, he can be a menace, but he also is a good stick handler. I mean, um, I love watching that guy play also. He's, he's one of my favorites. I'm pulling for him. I was, you know, I'm glad Ben Meyer scored that overtime goal, but I was thinking, man, it'd be great if uh, the senior from Grand Rapids could pump, uh, pump one in there and maybe uh, his best moments yet to come. Who knows? But um, I like watching number 27. I do too. And, you know, we made some comments back uh, a couple of weeks ago to people where they were saying, well, yeah, that Walker and Brodzinski and McLaughlin line didn't do much tonight. I said, wait till tomorrow night. Sure <laughs> enough, they came out, they pop in two goals. Yeah. And that's what they're capable of. And and they're a different trio than the uh the, the ones getting all the the limelight right now, Myers and Nyes, but you've got that blinding speed of Sammy Walker. And you know, Frank and I saw it this weekend. You know, there was a defenseman right next to him. Sammy just dug in and he was pulling away from the guy and got a breakaway. And I like his chances when he gets a breakaway. But McLaughlin is such a great passer as well, and he works hard along the boards. He's a veteran now as a senior. He's been there, done that, and, and now this is his time to shine, for, especially for those two guys who have both been drafted, but they're both seniors, and I, I think there's some, some really good plays coming ahead of them. In Boston, yeah. If if it was being played in South Bend, we'd put all our money on McLaughlin, right? Doesn't he have like a hundred goals yeah. in, uh, <laughs> against Notre Dame? But I, and was it was it there? We had he had one maybe the prettiest goal of the year where he I don't know he danced through about four guys and and went in and scored. But uh, I, I do like uh, watching him and this team is I think captured a lot and we you know it's been talked about a lot. It was talked about a lot over the weekend. Fourteen NHL draft picks, which is one thing, but it's also another to be NHL ready. And I think this team. Right, like I've mentioned a couple times, this team has a few guys that if tomorrow, you know, like the kid from Duluth, Cates, right? I think he's he he signed and he's going to play for the Flyers right off the bat. And there's there's a few of those kind of guys on this Gopher team as well, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Frank. Oh, for sure, yeah. They're um, it's it's blessed with that high end talent, and you know, and so far, you know, a couple of those guys could have left last year, maybe not for the NHL, but could have left for. Uh, you know, a, a good job in the American League and then maybe the NHL, but uh, it, it's that depth. And I think part of what makes them uh, even more effective here uh, at the college level is that uh, Moscow wanted them to have junior or national team development program experience by one or at least at least one for sure two years uh, before they came in. So they're coming in a little bit more mature, a little more savvy and, and having played a little, a, a few more games. Yeah. I have a, I have a, a draft pick note that I just dug out because I know people were going to start saying, well, what about this compared to the, the 2012 team? I mean, we've got what four, 15 draft picks now, I think, uh, 14, you mind if yeah. I look it up 14 Wally. Yeah. Uh, you want to take a guess at how many of the O2 team had? No, I'm sorry. The old 12 team, the 12 team that went to Tampa had 20 draft picks. Wow. Really? Wow. Four first, four first round and four second round. I mean, that just, Man. whoa. Now my next job is to go in there and find out, you know, they, they did not get a lot of uh, NHL playing time, but nonetheless, at some point in their career, 
somebody thought pretty highly of yeah, that. Yeah, right. Um, I, I mean, I won't name names now as to as who didn't get to play, but I mean that that was a that's a pretty talented team. That was a I don't 2012. That was a 2012 team. You say 2012, yeah, right? That, was that Boston College semifinal loss? Uh, 2012 was Tampa, Boston College. Uh, yeah, semifinal loss yeah. in Tampa, right? Mm-hmm. I think so. Yes. Yeah, and then 2014 yeah. was the North Dakota semi, and then was it Union? Union it was Union. Union mm-hmm. won a national title. That's 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 crazy, right? Union wins the national title in 2014. Uh, well, hey, let we we uh, we had some uh, fun listening to uh, the game winner on Friday. Let's listen to the closing moments quick and uh, and the, the joy in your two guys' voice as uh, the realization is coming to fruition that the Frozen Four is on the horizon. Last time the Gophers went was 2014, going to Philadelphia. Eight years later, they're on their way back to the East Coast, to Boston this time. I'm going to give you one more footnote to that when the celebration dies down. Ten seconds left. Faber forces a guy wide. Shot off target. We're down to the final countdown. It's over. The Gophers are frozen four bound. Yes, indeed, it's off to Beantown, Boston. You mentioned the final countdown. They were playing that song during the timeout <laughs> right before that last little bit, so that was pretty uh, pretty cool to uh, to tie that in. And, um, yeah, you guys were having some fun, and uh, eight years in between, and it's uh, it's off to Boston. So, um, uh, Frank, I was, or uh, Wally, I was asking you um, about the uh, the setup. You guys were basically in the third deck <laughs> with tables in yeah. front. It wasn't a real press box you guys were calling the game from, so you had a, and it was a little dark up in the upper edges of uh, of of the uh, of the uh, Wooster. I, I don't even remember the name of the arena wherever you guys were. Yeah, it w- it was dark, so it meant all those notes that Frank and I so uh, religiously put together every week before the games come up. Uh, you couldn't use a lot because there, <laughs> there just wasn't a whole lot of light to read by. But uh, the nice thing is, is the action on the ice took care of things, and then we had a special guest with us over the two games as well. Uh, defenseman Sam Rosini, who came back mid-season when we knew our roster was going to be depleted because of injuries and Olympians. Right. Uh, but he joined us for the, the two games up there for a couple of periods each night. So it was always nice to get uh, his uh, inside details from the team standpoint. Well, you you sounded uh, when we were doing Michigan State basketball this year. I used to pack a little light, a little portable light that I could plug into my laptop and LED for you know because <laughs> oh. uh, Rutgers basketball, Michigan State basketball. Uh, there's a couple of spots that get a little dark, and then in football, if it's a night game, depending on how it goes. So, um, but I, I w- w- my family moved in the summer, so I can't find that light. It got lost somewhere <laughs> in the move. So we're at Michigan State this year, and um, and I'm like, oh man, I forgot it's dark. Where where we uh, we sit, uh, and I'm too old to to try to read stuff in the dark. So I I walked uh, over. You, you guys probably stay at that same Marriott in downtown East Lansing, and there's a Target a block or two away. So I I invested twelve dollars in a nice little desk lamp that uh, I took with me, and <laughs> and our good friend Dan Robotham, uh, our good friend uh, engineer Dan Robotham, kept it in his gear. So um, you got to get Danny to travel with you. So when it's dark like that, he can pull out the Mike Grimm twelve dollar <laughs> desk lamp and uh, and put that over. But Anyway, I digress um, on, on that that part of it, but uh, uh, it, it's cool, man. Uh, that, that you guys. So we're we're all up there, Frank. We're all the uh, radio crews, just kind of in a row along there, and we're we're the uh, you know the Randy Johnsons and Jess Myers and whoever else might have been out there uh, up there as well, just sitting in these uh, uh, banquet tables, kind of. 
Kind, yeah, kind of. I mean, it, it's it's not an uncommon thing when you get to an arena where you get so many people and, sure. you, you know, you, you build a table over a row of seats and you build it high enough so that you can sit in the, the second row of seats. And now you have a, a table, which which wasn't terrible. I mean, if I mean, I don't think that building even had a even had a press box yeah. at all. Yeah. No, nope. um, but the part of it was I was sitting on the aisle. So uh, in a balcony at the bottom of the aisle, you get extra railings because they don't want people falling out. Right. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and so I couldn't see through the railing. So I, I had to stand, which I normally don't because I want to be close to my notes sure. and be able to shuffle through. And, and, you know, if I need to figure something out uh, in a hurry, I can. So, but anyway, that was a, it wasn't ideal, but we'll be in a in Cadillac territory on yeah. uh, in Boston. Yeah, off you go to uh, to Boston here. As uh, I think I, the song says, shuffling off to Boston, right? Well, th- can I back up? Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I, thank goodness this is not airtime here. This is podcast time. I, I want to back up. I, I promised a nugget uh, in the post game. I did mention it on the air. I want to mention it here only because I don't think we have said the name Justin Close. Yeah, Oof, you're right. You're right. Okay. Man. I mean, what a story well, generally, a, right? It's a, a monster story as far as I'm concerned. The, the way, yeah. I mean, basically, you know what you've got leading you to the Frozen Four? You you have last year's third string goaltender. It's incredible. I mean, it, it's amazing. And he's just, uh, you, if you talk to him, he does not. He doesn't act like a third string goaltender at all. I mean, you know, he's in charge. This is this is his team. The nugget that I had is that the last gopher shutout in an NCAA game at any step of the way was by Adam Wilcox. It was at the Excel Energy Center. He shut out St. Cloud State, which at the time was coached by Bob Motzko. Yeah. And so that was 2014. Adam Wilcox led the team to Philadelphia. Sunday night, Justin Close in a shutout leads the team to Boston. I and I went on the plane. I went to tell him about it. He said, "No, I don't want to hear anything like that. You'll, uh, you know, you'll, it'll go to my brain." I said, "You've got two weeks to to flush it out." So I'm telling you anyway. <laughs> it's amazing, and there. I don't know stylistically. I don't know enough about goaltending to know if uh, how how similar those two guys are. But I, I think I'm safe in saying neither of those generally big bodied goalies. Um, you know, they're they're a little bit smaller. So maybe there's something to be said uh, for the little guy in net. Sometimes, like Michigan's guy, basically takes up the whole net. Ohio State's guy, you know, right, takes up the whole net. Um, yep. But uh, these guys, you know, I don't think. That Wilcox uh, or Close? Am I wrong there? They're not big-bodied guys like those guys, correct? No, no. Yeah. In fact, Closer is only about five foot ten. Yeah, we were facing two goalies over that weekend that were both six foot four. So his style is just different. He doesn't uh, waste a lot of energy. He just makes himself square to the puck. He greets the shot. I think he's gotten much better over the course of the season that he's been in of directing rebounds off into the sides and. And um, he's playing absolutely flawless hockey. If you took his body of work, his goals against average and his saves percentage over the course of a year where he's at right now, he would be one of the top three goalies in the country. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and he's just, and people ask me, you know, how, how what kind of effort were you, you think you're going to get out of that guy after LaFontaine left, you know, because Laffer was your number one goalie for two and a half years. But I always tell people, the one advantage Justin Close has, even though he's a third stringer, 
He's had to face the Minnesota Gophers every single day in practice. Yeah. He's facing some good talent. Everybody else that comes in on him on the opposing team, he's ready and capable. More importantly. Yeah. And there's, uh, you know, I'm glad you brought this up, Frank, because there's so many other angles. And I forget which gopher talked about it. It might have been McLaughlin after this last game, or maybe it was a couple of guys before talking about uh, Justin Close and the fact that um, for much of his time early, uh, you know, last year especially, um, he was the guy who those guys would say, hey, I need to work on something on my game. Can you be in net while I fire pucks at you? And you think about, you know, you go through that. um, That's not a real glamorous situation. If you're a goalie who expects high things, and now here he is a year later after taking all those unglamorous shots while the offensive <laughs> guys, and maybe to your point, uh, and and to uh, you know to Wally, your point that you know you see all those shots, you're going to get a, a a clear look, and um, here we are a year later, and this guy's uh, you know uh, helping lead the charge with a shutout in the uh, regional final. So that, that's a that's a great story, Frank. Wait, he and, and because of what you mentioned, Mike, uh, and I often forget about that, that he would stay out late just to give the guys extra work. You know, he just really has endeared himself to his teammates. And and I think when the the change came, uh, when he became the number one guy after uh, LaFontaine left, um, I just think that helped everybody else buckle down to make his transition to that spot. Um, a little easier to, to happen. You know, they gave him as much support as you could possibly give a goaltender. And and I think that's, I, I you know, uh, all things said and done, I, I think it helped the team. Yeah. Yeah. I and, mean, you know, we, we're around these guys all the time, Mike. And, you know, everybody to a man loves Justin Close. And they have since the day he stepped onto the uh, campus here coming out of Kindersley, Saskatchewan. And, uh, he's just worked, 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 you know, a workaholic. That's what he has been. And, you know, he had to bide his time. And fortunately, he did. He didn't want to exit and uh, take off in the transfer portal and go somewhere else like Jared Moe did last year because he knew he wasn't going to get playing time behind Laffer. But Closer stuck with it. And, uh, He's going to the Frozen Four. <laughs> that he is, and and they've got a real a real shot. And um, I forget exactly the wording. You guys might remember, uh, Frank. Do you uh, when 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 uh, Lafontaine left? Um, I think it was one of maybe the Gopher assistant coaches wrote up on the board in the oh, yeah. uh, dressing room. And I forget. I, I'm going to paraphrase because I don't know the exact wording, but it was something like, uh, "We have all we need." And then yes. I think then Bob Motzko a day or two later said, "And we'll need all you have." And to me, if there's a book to be written, that's got to be the title of the book for this <laughs> hockey season. But that that is, I mean, man, what is? And I forget who uh, who who initiated the the original writing of that. But that 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 was, I think, uh, set the tone. Right? There was going to be no pouting. There was going to be no oh, woe is us. What we have, all we need. Let's let's rock on here. I haven't checked with Garrett Raboyne, assistant coach, to 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 verify that it was his phrase, but I did hear from one person one time uh, that that it was his, and then Moscow came in with the with the subtitle, if yeah. you will, yeah. <laughs> and we need all we need all we've got. Yeah, right so it, it was just a, just a great story for sure. Well, hey, we told um, you know I, I told that story about uh, you know us at Michigan State uh, we we needing the light and different things. You guys are uh, you know it's been kind of fun, I suppose, in 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 a weird way. So we go to the same spots every year uh, when we're on a, a travel deal. You guys have been able mid career here to kind of change 
where you're going. It used to be Marquette, Michigan. It used to be St. Cloud, and it still is on occasion. It used to be, you know, I'm forgetting wherever else you might be. Uh, now uh, it's, it's uh, well, you're still going to Madison, but now it's East Lansing on a yearly basis, Columbus and Ann Arbor. And um, I know there's been a lot made about the Big Ten and the breakup of the old classic WCHA, but from a travel perspective, at least if you're Mike Grimm and Spencer Tollickson, one of the biggest things is, you know, places to go eat the night before the game. So you guys got exposed to a whole new group of places to go spend <laughs> uh, some fellowship, as we like to call it, on the road. And uh, obviously with football, uh, for me, Daryl Thompson and Justin Gard and Dan Robotham, uh, our engineer, uh, we always uh, have a fellowship for sure. So uh, I'm guessing you guys enjoy some fellowship. So what's that been like just with, with some of the new places in the Big Ten for you guys? Well, our, our budget's not as big as you guys is with football and <laughs> basketball. So it's just me and Frank. Yeah. But we <laughs> we always seem to find a good restaurant. Uh, quite often we'll meet up with our uh, brethren from the other team and uh, uh, socialize together as well uh, and, and, you know, have a meal. So it's uh, it's fun, but it, it's uh, different cities. You know, they're, they're bigger markets, obviously, than uh, Houghton, Michigan or uh, uh, Grand Forks, North Dakota. And uh, so there's more options available to you. But uh, yeah, it's a little bit different, but when it really comes down to it, it's it's still the same game. Yeah, um, and Frank, any any favorite st- any any stops from the old circuit you miss, and do you have a new oh. favorite maybe on the on the uh, on the new circuit, so to speak? The, you got more bang for your buck in Houghton, Michigan, <laughs> than than anywhere. Uh, remember that place up there, Wally, the library. I mean, that yep. was as fine food as you you can get for a lot cheaper than we would get down here in the cities. And and I think beer was still two dollars a bottle when I left. <laughs> you know, when we lasted our game up there. Uh, you know, interestingly, I I, I uh, there is a place, Mike. I'm not sure if you stay at the uh, uh, the Blackwell in Columbus. Uh, we, uh, we have before, but we, we haven't recently. No, it's part of their, uh, hospitality program, yeah. their uh, college, their business school, and it's, uh, primarily staffed and run by, uh, by students. Mm-hmm. The service is great. The food is really good. So, I mean, that was kind of a neat little find for us to have yeah. a, you know, a hotel restaurant. You don't always get a great meal there, but, um, that was fun. That was fun to find that one, uh, as well. Yeah, well, we're. I'm planning this summer once we're through, and there's not much that maybe we all uh, can get together on on another podcast, and we'll just we'll just share food road food stories, you know, and see if we can't syndicate that to the Food Channel or something, right? Uh, I know the well, oh, the best the, one, the best but. part is about uh, with with this regional being in Massachusetts and now going out yeah. to Boston, we get a lot of chata and yeah. lobster. I like that. Got, love a lobster roll, that's for sure. Well, I feel fortunate because because I uh, every minute I. Spend with Daryl Thompson and Justin Gard and football and and then with Spencer and basketball, um, they're you know they're fun. They're, they become really good friends. Where you know we we you know are are together a lot. Like I joke with Spencer, I've had more meals with Spencer this winter than my, my own wife. She's happy about that. You know um, th- th- that's good. But um, you know you guys, how long have you traveled together, Frank? When you were doing TV, Wally was doing uh, radio. Now together as partners here. I mean, uh, you you gotta you know I'm, I'm assuming you guys like each other. But it's got to be fun to travel together uh, all these years, and and I've always said if you know I don't know what the job would be like if I had to work with someone I didn't like, um, and you know some people do have to work with people they don't like. I feel lucky in that regard. I'm sure you guys share the same sentiments about getting to hang out with each other a lot because you guys have a long season, man. I mean, 
you know, I've, I've done football and basketball uh, and, and finished both, started and finished both, and you guys are still going with the same sport here. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, we've got the longest season in college yeah. sports. That's one thing, but we do enjoy each other's company a lot. And my, uh, I've done gopher hockey now for 21 years, the last 11 with Frank. And before that, the, my first 10 with Glenn Sonmore and, and, uh, I'd kind of babysit Glenn because he was getting up in age. So I'd pick him up for the home games and drop him off afterwards. So our relationship there was always fantastic. And the stories were never, never ending, <laughs> which was wonderful because it was a lot of good humor besides. Right. But on top of that, when Glenn retired and I remember Greg Gerlock, our boss at Learfield go for sports properties, uh, we started talking about candidates and the very first name I threw out there was Frank Mazzocco. And I don't know if Frank knows that, but that's, that's the name I threw out there. I said, he knows the game. He knows his program. He's an excellent broadcaster and he's got that background and, and uh, I'm glad it worked out and uh, I'm glad we've been together for 11 years. Thank you, Wally. I was really shaking in my boots here, thinking that you were going to say you used to babysit Glenn Sonmore, and now you're babysitting me, another <laughs> old guy. But thank you, you didn't do that. And I do appreciate the recommendation and the and the and the job bench. No, you know, Mike, the, we uh, we do get along. We we enjoy going out. Uh, sometimes we talk about way too many topics away from uh, <clears throat> away from sports that gets us into trouble a little bit, but. I, I think the key the key to me with our relationship is that for some whatever uh, you know differences in our personalities there might be and everybody has them I'm not saying we're we're oil and water but when we get on the air we are of the same mind when it comes to the game and what needs to be said next and uh, I joke oftentimes uh, one of us will say and the other one will say I was thinking the exact same thing I joke <laughs> say that's scary but no that's just the way it is I mean we just have this this knack of uh you know knowing what the, the listener really needs to know next or something that hasn't been quite covered and that's to me that's one of the joys of doing this when you've got two guys up there that are I think in the same way, not only about the game, but of the broadcast too. Well, and it comes through. I mean, it's just like I said, I mean, I wasn't just saying it because you guys are guests on the podcast. It, uh, you know, it's, it, I think it's my favorite team locally here to listen to on the broadcast. It's just fun. You guys uh, make it fun. Uh, obviously, when the Gophers are playing like they are, everyone's having fun. But um, you guys have a great chemistry, there's no doubt. And uh, it's, it's been fun to listen. And hey, there's uh, hopefully two more. We get, you know, you got one more and hopefully you get another. And um, man, it'd be It'd be fun to uh, to win a championship and hang a banner, and uh, it would be even uh, the best part of it. I think would be uh, having you two guys uh, on the call. Yep. Well, we we certainly hope that happens too. Thank you very much. My thanks to Wally Shaver and Frank Mazzocco. I hope you enjoyed our conversation, and best of luck to those two and the Golden Gophers when they head to Boston next week. Our Go Gopher podcast is presented by Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. If you're buying or selling a business, visit sunbeltminnesota.com or tnma.com today. We're also brought to you by State Farm Agent Tony Hoagland. Brandon Morton is our producer and technical advisor. And again, I'd invite you to listen to past podcasts. And please be sure to subscribe to the Go Gopher podcast right now. It's absolutely free to listen. We'll talk again next week.